Hi, welcome to Conversations with Sammy. I am your host, and I'm so glad you're here. I believe in the miraculous impact of a powerful storytelling. And right here is where I invite everyday people like you and I to share their real, raw, and unedited journeys. In our conversations, we express our feelings, we celebrate our struggles, we share our visions, and together we aim to live a more fulfilling life. In this conversation, I speak with Rachel Rebecca Petrillo. Rachel and I dive into the vulnerable question of what am I doing with my life? As many of us may be trying to figure out how to go about living our best life, what is right for us, what path to choose in our careers, and how to break the external expectation cycle. Rachel and I discuss the feeling of being stuck. We share our experience in overcoming the fears, doubts, the desire to end it all, and how we discover a solution to more inner freedom. Enjoy. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Sammy. How are you? I am amazing. How was your day so far? Not too bad. Just excited to get on this call and have this conversation with you. Same, same, same. Thank you for being here. I was really looking forward to um, to dive in and cool stuff with you. Lovely. Yeah. Um, let's do it. I want Let's do it. Yeah. So I wanted to share how cool that I came across um, across you on social media. So I've been thinking, and I think I found you through some hashtag, perhaps. Um, what I post, I, I tag, and, and um, you showed up. I think one of your posts showed up, and it just spoke to me. Um, your writing is phenomenal, I must say. And I was just reviewing some of your shares, what you write about in the last few days. And it's just freaking astonishing. I love it. You carry me away. It's like reading a book or a memoir. It's freaking awesome. So thanks for Man, what a compliment. Thank you. It took some time to like get over the fear of um, what it takes to write vulnerably. Um, But I really appreciate that. It's just, um, it's not as hard now. It was hard at first to, to write that way, but I guess I'm used to it now. Yeah, I can, I can really relate because I began writing, I think about two years ago uh, when I began my uh, sobriety journey. And I remember you know, having like shaky fingers before I click post thinking, oh my God, mm-hmm. oh my God. But the more I do it, the more I grow. Um, I didn't die. Uh, it's, yeah. really, <laughs> it's really a growth process uh, for myself, is, if anything. And, you know, seeing that other people relate and um, comment back and then really reach out in person to say like, oh my God, thank you for saying that. This means a lot. So, uh my followers and people I speak with are really my, my uh, drivers to keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes the fear worth it. You know, when you start getting those responses and you start seeing that it's so worth it to share. And even if it's, even if it's a little bit scary, it's like that idea of um, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of sharing our stories and writing, when did you begin sharing and what was the inspiration for you 
Yeah. So I really didn't start sharing until about seven, maybe eight years ago, but I think it was about seven. Um, I had, I had come out of honestly, what was a really difficult childhood, um, a very kind of legalistic Christianity, um, and also a fair amount of abuse within that childhood, um, which kind of led to me making later in life kind of poor decisions in who I chose to date. So I really started this, um, this project, the Unstuck Project and writing um, after getting out of what was a pretty abusive relationship. And I, I was honestly just talking to God and praying and this idea to start this project kind of came to me. And I went to, for some reason, I felt like I was supposed to go to Hawaii and interview a bunch of people. So that's what I did. I interviewed people that felt stuck in their lives, um, whether that was feeling stuck in a job or, or a toxic relationship. Um, and I also, I interviewed a man who had lost his wife um, to cancer. It was really anyone who has that feeling where they just don't know where to go. They don't know how things are ever going to get better. Your mind, your brain, your heart, everything feels like it's trapped in some way and you just don't know how to move forward. And I just had this very strong feeling that if I was feeling that way, that there must be other people that were having the same experience. And the more yeah. people I spoke to, I was just astonished that it didn't matter from the most beautiful people I interviewed physically who's, who seemed to have it all together. They had their stuff that they didn't want to talk to people about, but they were willing to share with me because of the project or like someone you wouldn't expect that was a really successful in the eyes of the world businessman. Same thing. Or just someone that you you might expect. It didn't matter. It was kind of like every single person had something that was like their Achilles heel in life. Okay. I want to um, pause and ask you. So you took off to Hawaii. I mean, that's that's just like, whoa. Where were you at the time? In state somewhere? And I mean, that's super courageous. Like not too many people just drop where they are and just like, I'm going to go to Hawaii, interview people. Um, how did that, how did that happen for you? You just had this inner voice that's like telling you exactly where to go and what to do. Um, great question. Yeah. So I was, um, I was working for a company in Nashville and I also had a handful of clients and like I was doing pretty well, but I was honestly, I mean, I'll just keep it real with you. Like I was at a point where I was, I was in such a dark place. I was really considering just not being here anymore. I was strongly just, I felt in so much pain that I didn't know how many more days I could keep feeling that level of pain. And so I was really considering just like ending it all. And I was, yeah. So I was on that walk and I was praying and I I'm not one of those people that thinks I have like a voice from God from above. Like that's not a normal thing for me, but mm -hmm. on this block and in this like desperate moment. Um, and again, like I wasn't, I wasn't trying to come up with a name or a project. I had no plan, but while I was on this block, um, I, as clear as I could have heard anything within my own mind, just heard, um, you're going to go to Hawaii and start the unstuck project. And these were like never thoughts I had had before. I didn't even, I did not know what the Unstuck Project was. Um, wow. And so I, 
I decided to myself that it was going to be a documentary, but I didn't know how to make a documentary. And so I'm like working my jobs and I have my clients and I'm like ordering camera gear and I'm like making these plans to like, I booked a one-way flight to Hawaii, quit, quit all my clients, quit my main job, just literally quit everything, booked a one-way flight there and really just um, started putting out stuff on Craigslist and like various other forums to, for people to interview. Um, and then I was staying in hostels and I was meeting people that way. I don't know what happened, but it was like the entire world opened up to me the moment that I listened. Wow. My goodness. What a, what a journey right at the beginning of our conversation. I love it. So you yeah. go there, um, you're, you're looking for the gear as you were to make these, uh, the documentaries. So did you start it to just approaching uh, random people you meet on the streets and asking them questions or you targeted um, a specific kind of a crowd to speak with? It was really strange. Like, I think a lot of it has to do with Hawaii itself. And maybe that's why I felt drawn to go there. But it was really organic for the most part. Um, I initially was just putting out a posting for people to um, help me with the documentary, right? Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening was what was really happening is none of these people had any idea how to do anything with documentaries. I think they were just drawn to the topic of the documentary. And so what ended up happening is I would meet these people and think, oh, this is so great. We're going to work on this documentary together, um, you know, about getting unstuck and helping people. And they're going to do the things I don't know how to do, like edit, whatever. But what was actually happening is those most of those people ended up being the people that I interviewed and that opened up to me about their life and what they were going through. Um, and then also when I was staying in hostels, like most of the time through the traveling, cause I was planning on, I was there for about three, maybe four weeks. And um, I was meeting people that way. I also had this, this um, Hawaii is just in general, like a fairly safe place. I just had this idea of like, whatever was mine while I was there um, was everyone's. So like, I would just like pick people up in my car, which I don't suggest for like everyone, but like I would meet surfers and travelers and it was just, everything literally just was just flowing naturally. Mm. Wow. You kind of gave me a, or reminded me of a flashback, you know, picking up people, the, the hitchhiker, I think that's the term, right? And it's mm -hmm. such a common thing in Europe and my friends still do it to this day. You know, if we're driving somewhere, you're just like, oh, there's like a, you know, hippie looking dude with a backpack on his back and let's just see where he's going. We can help him out. And, you know, in my mind, to me, it's like a, a, a perfect kind of humanity where we just trust one another. Hey, mm -hmm. can I help you out? You know, can, can you help me out in a way? So I mean, it's so cool. It's so courageous of you. I think in States, it's just, it's, it's not even an option. I mean, people um, just have different, I think, beliefs, but damn, kudos to you uh, meeting people it, like that. You're so right. It really is that way for most of America. I think like Hawaii is slightly different just culturally. So it just felt, I don't know. I had no fear about it. And I, honestly, I don't really feel fear about it in America, like in like the mainland part of America, but I'm a little bit more cautious, but I guess usually I feel like if you follow your intuition, it will usually protect you. Yeah, ditto. I totally uh, agree with the intuition. And so 
three weeks you said you 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 were there and where did you go next and um, where did you took this project to what level next step for you so that was a really like eye-opening time in my life you know that was really the first time that I I had an idea and I just kind of for me it was sort of like do this or I, I just kind of felt like I was dying whether I took my own life or not so I just kind of had to do it but it was difficult because I was like I think 26 at the time I'm 34 now um maybe 27 and um I like I didn't really know what to do with it I didn't I didn't know how to sustain it and I think like even that was an interesting lesson because I realized that sometimes you're kind of gifted with an idea and the thing you think that it's supposed to be, um, it doesn't really matter. It's going to take a different shape and it's okay to just play with the idea. So for me, it was okay that it didn't turn into a documentary because that was a bit too big of a piece for me to bite off at the time. So what ended up happening was um, I didn't even really start the writing um, at that point. I really think that was just a point of I, I, I was kind of getting my feet wet in research and I was getting my feet wet in understanding people and like the human condition. But so it was three weeks and then a friend of mine had a wedding, um, a really good friend of mine and I was in it. So I had to come back. And then honestly, Sammy, I had no idea what to do. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I quit all my jobs. <laughs> I gave up where I lived. And I did, I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't know how to keep the project going. I was just, I felt like I had gotten myself unstuck and then stuck again. And looking back now, that's totally okay. And I can like accept all of that, all of that. But at the time I was like, well, damn, this doesn't feel right. Um, so I actually, I was, I started driving trucks across the country for my dad's company and I was still just writing and working on the project in like but just for myself I wasn't sharing anything at the time I wasn't ready I didn't know how um and then I took a job at like a logistics company and again I was in like a nine to five completely away from like that free flowing um Hawaii experience and I was just like what am I doing with my life like I don't even believe in living this way but I didn't know what to do. Like you come back and you're just like, Oh, I guess that was just a cute idea that I had. Um, but now I have to get back to the real world. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with that thing of being like, you want to listen to your heart. You want to listen to the thing you're passionate about. And it doesn't always fall in line with what seems practical. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I was kind of back in normal life. And then after that, I decided to take I, I couldn't not listen to myself anymore because I had had this amazing experience of what listening to myself felt like. And so that the short period of time where I, I just needed to make some money, um, it, it was short lived in the sense that I then took like a, a pretty drastic pay cut, took a job as a production assistant at a film company because I was just like, I don't, as long as I make enough money to live, I still need to be around things that bring me alive. Cause I just wanted to get back to this. So that kind of spurred me um, just kind of learning more about film and even documentary work and just how the industry works. Um, but it seemed like a weird choice to make because I, I was 27 and I had a pretty, um, 
pretty decent job. And to take a job as a production assistant at that age, at that point in my life. But um, all of that, um, to cap it off, led me, the film concept led me to Nicaragua. And then that's where I really picked the project back up again. And that has been properly going um, for like the past, I would say, four, maybe five years. Mm. Wow. Um, I relate to you so much in, um, in this phase when you don't know what the hell to do with your life. You know, you're suicidal and so was I. And mm-hmm. there's this voice screaming from within telling you, to do something that you're just what are you serious you gotta be freaking kidding Mm -hmm. me you know and what comes to my mind it's like what I'm finding about myself that I has gone that I have gone so far away from my true self I've lost myself in in out there you know because I was always searching for some success happiness in people and places and situations and things And so for me right now, the journey is like coming back home, you know, slowly like getting back myself to this true self essence that is right here and now in the present moment. And I think there's a lot of people in our age group that is really going through this, you know, they have perhaps jobs or no jobs in in, in this time of life, 2020. Mm -hmm. And could I touch on the subject of the suicidal thoughts? Because I think this is very critical. Yeah, and, of course. Um, you know, being in recovery, I see a lot of people struggling with that and um, mm-hmm. taking their lives. You know, they just don't come back. And I find out yeah. that they're no longer here. And I, I struggle with such thoughts ever since I was a kid, actually. And I didn't realize because I was constantly drinking, numbing. I think I was running away from, from those thoughts as far, as far as I could until in my sobriety, they came back in like full force. I could recall those days. And just like you, you know, said, I don't think how many days longer I can go with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, what the hell? I am sober. I am having a new life. I'm doing the work that I do. And yet I have these thoughts and the narrative of the thoughts, they really change from what they used to be. And I'm talking to suicidal thoughts because before it was kind of aggressive. It was scary. So I just ran away. But this time it came around and the narrative of the thoughts was very different. It was almost convincingly like soothing, like very inviting that this is the right thing to do for me. And not only me, but it will be to benefit to the to people around me. And I freaking freaked out because it from the moment I opened my eyes in the morning, unless I am with somebody or I'm, I'm busy doing something, those thoughts leave me alone. But then the moment I am by myself, they just return in full speed, full force. And mm-hmm. I've never said a word to nobody for, for all these decades because it's a topic that think it's um there's a lot of darkness and and fear around it and so just kind of knowing how people react when I when someone opens the mouth or I was afraid if I tell somebody they will just say oh my god you need help like go to the doctor or or whatever you know but that's not Mm -hmm. what I needed I didn't know what I needed but the fear led me to telling my um spiritual guy this woman I work with in recovery And she immediately connected me with a woman who was also suffering for many years, 
with those thoughts. And we literally met in a coffee shop. We sat down and we spoke about the suicide. We called it the hate to not kind of wow. re- repeat the war, the war, which is really scary. So we literally mm-hmm. talked about it like, like something, like someone we know, like these thoughts. And I swear it's been over a year. And like she said, to, to get out of it, we must shine the light on it. And the light on it means I share it with somebody. I let them know how I feel. Mm-hmm. So I think that woman saved my life because I like you, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here alive. How will- did that change for you? Like when you talked to her, did, did the thoughts start to change? They just went away. Wow. Yeah. Because they went I will away. say I've never heard anyone say, and this isn't a negative thing. It's that, that kind of fascinating to me. I've never heard anyone say that, the thought was telling them that it was a good thing like that sounds really deep like something very deep there Mm -hmm. that it would be that somewhere in your brain is trying to convince like your spirit or something that it's a good thing that you're not here anymore which obviously is not true yeah yeah which makes sense why you would call it the hate Mm -hmm. actually the heat Oh, the heat. Well, I like that too. Yeah. And um, so I just wanted to ask you what, what's your uh, experience or relationship with, with such thoughts? And are you still struggle with those thoughts? Um, Yeah. So for me, um, it was, it was correlated. So after the, after I had gotten out of the abusive relationship, I started experiencing, um, some symptoms that I didn't even know what to call them. I didn't, I did not know what was happening to me. I just felt like I was losing my mind and it was really scary for me. And what was happening, it's, they're not incredibly well-known disorders, if we want to call them that, but it was depersonalization and derealization. And I kind of feel like unless someone has experienced these things, it's really hard to explain, but basically you kind of think about it as you experience a trauma and your, your mind is trying to protect you from yourself. So basically something inside me did snap, like fully properly snapped where like, I did not feel connected to myself or my own body. I would look in the mirror and I would not, I would not really recognize myself. I would feel almost completely outside of myself. And that's the depersonalization the other side, and there were lots of other things that came up, came with that. The other um, aspect was the derealization where I didn't feel connected to the world. And that can sound, seem really simple, but when it's that deep in your brain, you, you quite literally feel like you're more of a spirit than you are a body. Like nothing makes sense around you. You're in conversations with people and you don't feel like you're a part of them. Um, it's so hard to explain. Basically, if you've ever um, disassociated in your life or just felt like slightly disconnected, take that and multiply it times like a couple thousand. And that was what was happening. Um, I just wanted to feel normal again. And I didn't know when this was going to end. And then there was the really fun thing of like, one, I had never heard these terms before, never heard depersonalization, never heard derealization. So I start going to Google 
which is obviously a great place to go to find all the answers to life. Mm-hmm. And then that only scared me further because there were people that were saying they had had it for years and that, that they never, they didn't know how it was going to end. And, um, all of that coupled with, I was also for the first time, it was kind of like everything was happening all at once. I was also for the first time experiencing, um, a form of OCD called pure O, which is essentially sort of like obsessive thoughts. And they were all kind of based around morality. Like if I, I would all of a sudden like remember that I told a lie to someone like three years ago or, or any little indiscretion, anything. It was like my brain was just attacking me and all these things happening all at once it was just so much for me so what I started doing before I went to Hawaii I had all of these symptoms for like a year and they were it was clear to see that they were all triggered by ending the abusive relationship but still I didn't know what to do with them but this took me on really the probably the most important journey prior to my starting this project was because I I literally had no choice but to try to understand my brain and try to um, be, it was the first time I was being incredibly conscious of what my thoughts were, which were like leading me to want to just end it all. Mm -hmm. But that was super important because I had never, I never just like observed my thoughts and I was really learning to question um, to see what, what thoughts I was making really big and which ones I could make smaller, especially when you're dealing with forms of, of OCD, you have to, um, I would, I would literally just be like in my head, something would seem really big and I would just visualize it and turn it into like the smallest mountain, something that I could conquer. Um, and I would really start to question like what, which of my thoughts were true. I got super big into, um, writing down um, thing, 10 things I was grateful for. And I would share them with a friend like every day I did this for months. Um, and just literally filling my, basically I knew that if I was having so much negativity, um, and pain inside my body and inside my brain that I couldn't just tell the negativity or the bad thoughts or all these things to just go away. I need to replace them with stronger, more positive, like higher frequency thoughts. And I wouldn't have come to those things or like started researching them or started observing my thoughts and all of that if I didn't need to like it wouldn't have like occurred to me to do it but I needed to and so that once I started like healing to that level that's when the Hawaii idea came to me Mm. wow amazing and it was really like through all of that that the really once that idea came it was like I had so much hope um, that thoughts of like ending my life just weren't as present anymore. Um, I hope that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it does to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for, um, for sharing that on, on such, on such depth. I really uh, appreciate and, and relate to a lot of it. Um, let's go back to your project. You mentioned you went to Nicaragua next. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty determined, you know, you have um, what's called like an inciting incident in life. And like the inciting incident is the catalyst for change. So I'd already had the catalyst for change in Hawaii. And then I didn't really know what to do with it because I was just like a baby, like trying to figure out my life. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, but I had had that experience. And so I think once you know something exists and can happen, it makes you much less willing to um, accept a life that is less than what you know it can be. And so I was really determined to like get back on track into what I had, I guess to also speak to the suicide thing after that, after that had kind of been like re-navigated for me, I was just so grateful to be here. And I was just so grateful to be alive that I was just like, I have to do something with this life that I have. Like I'm still here. Like I felt this enormous um obligation but also like honor in that I knew that I'd experienced something that I might be able to help people through as well mm-hmm. and so like I worked those piddly jobs for a little while and they were fine and grateful for them too I guess <laughs> and then I was like I need to get back on track so I got certified to teach English as a second language um and then I restarted my project um in Nicaragua once again, left all my jobs again, book a one-way flight to Nicaragua. Um, and that's where I really started writing. And that's where I really started kind of um, getting inspired about, you know, what I wanted to say. And all of it was still really, like, uncertain. I just, I really just had an understanding that, um, that there were certain types of pain and shame that, because everyone is telling each other that we're okay and we're good and we're fine and we're having a good day and nothing is so wrong that we just keep that circle going. And in my head, I was just kind of like, I knew that it would be weird if I started sharing um, issues or problems I had had or talking about things like OCD or like potentially wanting to kill yourself or sexual abuse or any of that stuff. I knew it would be weird. But I also like, I also knew the stats and had talked to enough people to know that, that we needed to kind of stop believing each other when we said that we were fine. Because I guess I felt like if everyone would just be a little bit more honest with each other, then that would just kind of start a like domino effect. And I feel like that's actually what we're seeing on social media now is more people are becoming much more, um, much more willing um, to destigmatize um, shame or trauma or their experiences. I feel like much more people feel like it's okay to share than they did back when I started this project. I love it so much. And this is, I feel exactly what I am experiencing and going through and my realizations that what matters the most in life for us human beings is really not talked about. And I was just like sick and tired of hearing the, I'm okay, I'm all right, things I'm great, job is good, yeah, yeah. Like, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Like, what's in your Mm -hmm. heart? Like, how are your relationships Mm -hmm. with your parents, with your siblings, you know? And I remember when I first, um, you know, went to the uh, seminar that really inspired my journey is, I went because I thought I need to figure out my career. Like I need to figure out the money situation because my identity was attached to the external success. Like if I could just have the money, if I could just have the money, um, Mm -hmm. I will be okay. And little did I know it blew my mind because I first, for the first time I learned about feelings, 
like naming my feelings. What am I feeling? I'm okay. No, okay is not a feeling. What are you feeling? You know, are you angry? Are you, there's, are you feeling joy, sadness, hurt, fear? And it was such a, a new concept. And I was, I believe, 29. First time in my life am I learning about feelings that is just part of me. And I was like, where, where is this information in, in this world? Um, and I was just like angry and, and, and happy and sad that um, we, I should say me, I was so far away from, from what really matters. And man, I, I just really hear you. And I'm so proud of you for doing what you do, because this stuff is not easy to talk about. It's not, but I also, I really resonate with what you're saying as well when you talk about like identifying feelings and also that thing where we tend to feel as like a society, at least this is my perspective, that we will be accepted. And if we're, if we're accepted and acceptable, then we're worthy of love. And so then we tell ourselves or ask ourselves, what do we need um, to be accepted to therefore be worthy of love? And usually that is to make money, to be beautiful, um, to be successful in the ideas of the world. And usually what happens is we don't tend to learn until we have had those things that none of them really fulfilled us and none of them satisfied. And so then we have to look at what is what's really the motivation for the desi- for the desire for the money. And there are so many more paths to the acceptance and the love than what we're told, because it's not really through the money and it's not really through the beauty. And I think like that sounds like the journey that at least a similar journey that we're both on of like sorting out what our ego is and like how we identify ourselves outside of like these attachments to money and all that. And it's not like I've like conquered it. I still care probably too much about my parents and obviously we still like need money to live and all of that stuff, but it's really different than attaching it to I'm worthy of love. If I have these things, when there are so many other paths that, that cultivate love. Yeah. And uh, one of the cool things that started happening for me is when I started diving within and really doing the spiritual deep work, um, I, noticed that the things that I wanted, the big things, the, you know, the, the house, the traveling, the whatever, yacht, whatever I was dreaming about, like a, like a hot relationship, a hot person, it started to fade away. I became uninterested in it. And I remember the little panic moments. I'm like, wait, wait, what's happening? Wait a minute. What, what will I want? If not that who turns out, well, that's very shallow um, surface level things that I thought that will make me happy. And not to say like you, you know, of course, we live in a society in the human body. We're having a human experience and there's certain things we need money wise mm-hmm. and, and shelter. But man, like I am not hooked on that fantasy life that I thought I must have to be fulfilled. And my interest is now into literally connecting with people, which I was always afraid of people. Like, I don't want to be near you unless I'm having a few drinks before our conversation. Um, numbed out, scared zone out and it's for me right now I feel like I'm just beginning 
And the more I do the work that I do, I'm feeling I'm just beginning. I'm just beginning, which I've been for, for a few years now. And this journey, it's such a blast. Like, I am so, I'm excited to be with myself. I don't need to numb out mm -hmm. because I can stand my own company. Like, life is really exciting because I am becoming more and more alive. Yeah. Um, I love that. I'm so curious if you don't mind me asking you a question, like mm -hmm. what, um, I know that you talked about like getting sober and all of that, but like, was there something else that kind of shifted you or like cracked you open in that way? Because there is sort of that moment and maybe you've experienced it where you feel like you're waking up for the first time. Like you literally feel like some part of your brain or and spirit, all of that just kind of pops alive and you want to explore it more because it actually does feel safe and it does feel better but like was there something that that created that for you so I want to say one thing that really um becoming sober wasn't a solution to my problems it was just the beginning of my journey because taking away the substance really allowed me to do the work that I do but I think for me, what was really like mind blowing, what cracked um, my limiting belief system was when I realized that I can change. For some reason, I thought I am stuck the way I am. What happened to me as a child, there's no way of forgetting it, working through it. It's just like I will always be this victimy, pitiful girl who hates myself so much and I just must find ways to feel better. And I truly believe that this is it. That is my life forever. So I, I have to entertain myself somehow. And when I realize that I have the power and only I have the power to shift my belief system, to literally rematches that psychic shift, you know, the whole mind, I was like, that can be true. Like, how can I think, how can I just take a thought and flip it? Well, yes, I can. So that was yeah. like mind boggling. I'm like, holy shit, like, I can change my life. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, you that realize my... how powerful you are. I know, yeah. So that was, like, I think the biggest, like, whoa moment. Um, and then I and I, then I began, and I cannot stop because I know with, you know, my higher power, with the God that I am um, have a, such deep connection with, like, there, nothing, nothing is impossible. There's no limits. Like, you mentioned something so beautiful. You said... You know, you, it's kind of like if you believe that the life you want is out there, you just need to go get it. What, what would you do? How would you live? It's like yeah. deeply within, I know that I don't really know the, you know, what exact I want, but it's just like this knowingness that I will be okay. I will have whatever I want and need and maybe beyond because I feel like my mind is so tiny compared to the universal abundance of what is actually out there for me. So I just yeah. live with this joy of like, what is there to fear? Oh my goodness. I'm okay. I will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like this thing happens where I, I get this sense that you've had this feeling, um, but like it has happened for me and sometimes I forget. But when you start to feel like you do have access to like God and spirit, and then I, that's, I know that looks different for different people. It It's shifting and changing for me, like currently. But when you start to like tap into that and you realize like how much power is there, um, it actually, at least for me, like 
made me feel like anything was possible. It actually made me feel like limitless. Like I could change my identity. Like I didn't have to be stuck or held to who I had been before to anything that had happened to me. It even when it came to like work or I I don't know, so many things, it gave me like a weird amount of confidence that it didn't even, sometimes I didn't even feel felt, I didn't even really feel like it mattered um, how qualified I was for a certain, for a certain job or to even like talk to someone like you or whatever it was. I just felt like if it was coming towards me, then I could probably do it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I wrote down something while reading your posts and this is what stood out to me. The pressure of certainty in our choice making and that, and that the certainty must lead to forever. So this really speaks to me. Um, I certainly struggled with making the decision. And if I just go back to like being in high school, like you have to decide who you want to be for the rest of your life. That's, that's the like intention. Like, what are you going to go to college? Because once you go to college, this is it. You know, you're going to be in the zone forever and ever. And what a freaking pressure. And I live by that pressure my freaking most of my life thinking and being so afraid to make that one decision, that one decision that perhaps I could never return from if I make that decision, this fear of like putting myself in something and God forbid I put myself in a wrong path or so. And um, that caused a lot of anxiety. And I think Perhaps it had to do a lot of with my bouncing around, like starting something, dropping, starting something, dropping. Um, but what do you have to say about that? I think this is a, a huge pressure we go through, like as young people. Um, I think like really what you're bringing up, and I love that you like pulled like that thought and that idea because I haven't really talked about it much, but it is something that's important to me because. I think what we're talking about is also sort of dismantling um, societal expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think especially when we're, we are kind of consistently taught these things at such an early age, you know, um, the expectation of what we're going to do. But when it comes to what, what was it you said, what I wrote was, uh, yeah, the pressure of certainty in our choices that the certainty must lead to forever. So basically I look at it like this. Um, in life for the most part unless like everyone around you just completely trusts your decision making if you say I'm going to move to this place or I'm going to date this person or um, I'm going to try this new job or whatever it is people will ask you like do you really think that's the right choice or if you're in a spiritual community it'll be like um, well what is God telling you to do And then there's just all this pressure to be like, you're not just a person that gets to have an experience that gets to try something. It is to say, okay, I feel drawn towards this thing and I need to know that this is what I'm going to do. I need to know that this is right. Um, And if I, and if it doesn't work out, then I failed. And there's just so much condition around that. Like rather than it just being, okay like for example like it is okay that I went to Hawaii and I did what I did there and I didn't stay and I came back 
And there, I'm sure there were other people that are like, well, guess it didn't work out, but I didn't look at it like that. And I think it is a matter of perspective, but I think it's more of like, we don't really know who knows, like we do not know if the choice we make is going to be right. And what does that even mean? And the fact that it, that like, we think that we meet a new person and, you know, you only have a certain amount of information when you're making a new, new decision, you know, life shifts and changes all the time. And just because something doesn't last forever, whether it's the job or the relationship doesn't make it a failure. There are things that we learn in there that are so valuable. There are even fun experiences and hard ones. And just because we don't stay or just because it it doesn't last until like our last breath doesn't mean that it was a loss or a failure or like some horrible experience. Like, I, I don't know why we tend to think that way in life, but I found it to be more freeing to um, not do that. Yes, 100%. I'm so with you on this. And I think for me, it's maybe it's the attachment to things. It's like, you know, historically, I wouldn't be able to see, let's say there is a storm and, you know, a lot of stuff gets ruined or just lost in a tornado. And I would just be crying about the lost things rather than looking around and being grateful like, oh, well, this is left and that's left. Awesome. I have some things left. And I would just be so Mm -hmm. focused on the things that I'm losing or people that are going away. And so what? It's like allowing life to happen. Like the the only constant is change. And I think if I am able as a human being to adapt to the changes, because there's no, it's inevitable. Like if, if I mm-hmm. look in life, everything changes. Everything is constantly changes, including me. I am a different person every day. My mood changes, my feelings. So if this is happening in me, this is like all over me. And now having this, um, so to speak, awakening and, and just, the, the, the thought pattern different is such, such a gift for me to to keep it simple take it easy and have fun like I used to be so damn serious oh my goodness don't you like mess with me you <laughs> me know? too right oh, yeah it's such a blast just to freaking let go and be a bit childlike or a lot um, yeah yeah <laughs> and like there even in even in like the serious things or even if you're following like for example I'm sure there are people that would be like oh you're having like they would think oh well this conversation is kind of serious but there's also so much joy in this type of conversation Mm -hmm. that like it's okay that it's serious it's not the same thing as having like a serious mentality um but yeah yeah I don't know I guess like rolling with the punches and um definitely what you said about being adaptable you, you kind of have to be in life, but I also try to have some like grace and perspective for people that just do find it harder or more challenging to bounce back. Um, like I've had to do that my whole life since I was like a kid. So I feel like while, while I might not be good at like a lot of things like algebra, <laughs> I'm pretty good at bouncing back because I like trained myself to be. And I try to remember like some things it's not as easy for some people to like shift their mentality or to focus on the good things. Like that does take time. It is like a muscle, like anything else. Like you have to like, you don't just learn it once. Like I keep, I have to keep practicing and working on that the same way. If I was like training for a marathon, 
like I'm training for my life with my emotions and like emotion regulation and meditation, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I very much, um, I hear you in this. Um, but okay. So I am still curious. I'm not going to leave you alone. Cause I'm curious to find out <laughs> about the project. <laughs> oh, we okay, just yeah. away. So tell me just, yeah, we have about, um, 12 or 15 minutes left but with this time I want to just ask you what what's going on with it these days and I know you're in LA so tell me a little bit how'd you end up in LA and what what are you doing with the project and what has come out of it so far okay so yeah I'll try to answer this um so I was living in Chattanooga Tennessee before I came on to California and I thought that I was going to my dream was that I was going to be in a little surf cabin by the ocean. I was going to have a more quiet life where, cause like I'm from a smaller town, everyone starts to know you. Some people started to know about my project and I was just like, I want to be in a quieter area. I want to, I want to be focusing. I want to be able to like be hearing like the whole downloads thing was starting to happen for me. Mm. So I come to California, had no idea how California worked. It did not work the way I thought it did. I didn't even plan to be in LA. It just kind of happened. And yeah, my life did not get quieter um, at all. (laughs) But long story short, I adjusted to that. um, And basically what it looks like is it's not any huge thing at the moment. I mean, essentially, yeah, I write and share stories about my own life of feeling stuck and like breaking societal expectations. Um, I write and talk and share about um, concepts of of shame and isolation um, and also community, the flip side of that as well. And occasionally I'll interview people that um, like in a couple weeks, I'm going to Phoenix to interview a girl who um, overcame like a massive addiction and who had also like lost a child. So it's stuff like that, but um, there are some projects going as well. like I, I do a fair amount of work on Skid Row, which is um, for those that don't know, it's one of the it's one of, if not the largest homeless community in America, which with a population of about 14000 people. Um, and the reason for that focus there, um, which is primarily just like having conversations, bringing um, things like wipes and socks um, at feminine products, things like that. But they're all just kind of conduits for conversation. But the reason for having that project is really just because I feel like I feel like homelessness or living on the streets, it tends to be one of the most obvious manifestations of brokenness. Um, it's the one place, seemingly one of the few places where, whereas for mainstream society, if we feel stuck or we're in an addiction or um, we're just like really living far away from who we actually are we can hide that really easily and we're really good at it um but in communities where people are living on the streets it's like everything is kind of out in the open um and I've just I've just found a lot of like beauty there I've also had people be much more open to telling the truth of who they are within those spaces um But yeah, the flip side of that and the real purpose behind having like that project and there are a couple of others as well is part of the whole idea of like the Unstuck Project was that like you could share your story 
and you could share whether it was a story of shame or just something difficult that has happened to you or that you're still in, but that, but that you could rewrite your story, that you could like start doing something that made you proud of yourself, that made you somebody that you wanted to identify with. And I think for me, because I had been in such a place of, you know, being in a bad, a very bad relationship and like wanting to end my life and looking at my looking at my life being like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? I'm not proud of who I am. And so part of this is while I'm, I am an advocate for therapy and whatever someone needs in like a talking sense, I'm also a huge believer that like when we do things like for me, like going to Skid Row or even another country, having conversations with people and kind of doing things like you're doing with me right now, it really helped me the action of doing something helped me see myself in a new way. And that was really important to me. And I, I have a strong feeling that, that it's really good for everyone to do things like that. Um, Because talking about something and healing is one thing and it's important, but I think the actual rewriting of the story, I think it gives us so much more confidence as people when we get to see and identify and say, Oh, I did that. Like for you being like, yeah, I'm brave enough to do this podcast and have these conversations and like open myself up to people when it used to be scary to me. Like it must feel different to you to, to be that person now. Mm. Oh, hundred percent. I am, I am often just observing myself from a side. I'm like, damn girl, did you really do that? Did you really just say that? Like this was, yeah. this was impossible. I could barely speak up in my, you know, in front of my mother, in front of, anybody unless I was intoxicated uh, this is this is it's been phenomenal I am I am amazed blown how much um, how much has changed just in the relationship with myself it's, it's beautiful I love it yeah and you get to experience yourself as like someone that you're I imagine that you're proud to be Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Speaking of that, you know, I, I keep a gratitude journal and every single day I just fill a page up and, you know, when I first time wrote down, you know, I am grateful to be the woman I am. I was like, whoa, whoa, that, yeah. that's like, oh my, let me read that again, you know, and I'm grateful the woman I'm becoming. And I could say it like without, shaky voice or, or, or starting to cry because I believe in it. I am, I will be, and I am becoming everything beyond my imagination. Um, and it's like this thing happened uh, and, and I see for you too. And I think for anyone who, who does this inner work and starts awakening from this old matrix that doesn't work anymore. is like this uncontrollable yearning to share this with other people. It's like, Hey, Oh my God, look at me, look where I was. But, like, you can do this too. If I can do it, then you can do this. Like, you don't have to live like this. Like, you can change. Yeah. Like, I promise mm-hmm. you, you can change. And let me tell you my story, how I did it, because I thought I had no way out. For God's sake, you were suicidal. You know, it's like, it's powerful. The story is so powerful. It is. And you start to feel, like, alive in a different way. You also start to feel energized in a different way. And it's not like every day is, like, so awesome and amazing. Like, I still have... Mm loads of days where I like maybe it's just a weird day and I feel like I just need to like rest or heal or whatever it is 
But it's like once you wake up in that way, you know that it's there and you know that you do have access to it. You don't have to be like performing or perfect or like super on and like feeling awesome all the time. But it does change your life when when you have that moment or at least it can. Absolutely. And good point to, you know, to mention that not every single day do I feel awesome and amazing and I love myself like to the moon. There are days when I'm like, shit, this sucks. But oh, well, the difference is that now I can be with that suckiness. You know, I, I rest much more. I sleep longer hours. And I know this too will pass because before I used to think my per- this state like the feelings is permanent like I will just be stuck in that forever and ever but that is not true and that is a relief because this too will pass nothing is permanent yeah you know? I think that the learning how to it's not about like that we no longer experience suffering or that we no longer have days where we feel depressed or that we no longer um, have negative thoughts or feel rejection or or lack or whatever because all of that stuff is more than likely still going to happen. But I think to your point, it's like learning how to, that it isn't forever and learning how to navigate it so that you experience it for shorter periods of time. And that the way you navigate it, like ideally isn't through escape or running away from it. It is being okay with what you were saying of like being with yourself, looking at it, even if it does suck, even if it does hurt. And that's, that's okay. The goal isn't that we're like, super jazzed up all the time it's that we're able to be with who we are regardless of what that looks like you know when someone tells me I just want to be happy all the time and I'm thinking girl (laughs) if you were happy all the time you would be so bored because this up and down this wavy this ocean that's like occasional drama that's life like we need a little bit of everything I would not want to be stuck in the joy all the time no thank you you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yep. know what to do with myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask you, too, what um, what do you see for yourself in the near future? Do you, do you have any plans? Are you just totally riding this wave of, I don't know, and I will see, just kind of having fun? Um, I, I wish sometimes that I could be like just riding the wave, but I definitely always have lots of different plans. I think right now I'm just trying to bite off smaller um, pieces that I can, um, that, that I know I can kind of, I can just take one, one little step at a time and actually do the thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, at the moment I'm, I'm, about to start my own podcast so that's one thing um and so this experience is good practice for me sweet um outside of that for the project I really would like to see it develop into a space where for people that can't really afford to maybe go to a treatment center or um even have a counselor or have certain connections the ideal dream is that I could build something that would kind of have mental health counselors and people that um, practice meditation, all of that stuff, and maybe have retreats and things like that at a super low cost that could just connect people to, to people that are experiencing similar issues. Um, and also just be a space where, you know, so many times I have people ask, cause I also do a lot of like lay counseling um, and, you know, talk to, to a a lot of people about, you know, things that they're struggling with and going through. I always forget that that's a part of what I do because I've just been doing it for so long. 
Um, but that is like a huge part of what I do. I, I don't know why I always forget that I do that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, um, but I, I have so many times people will ask, you know, like their options, like what are their, what resources are, are there? And it's really ha- disheartening to, you know, walk with someone through that, look for, um, rehabilitation centers or for some form of help. And it's just not feasible for them, um, to do it due to the cost. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess like in my dream world, yeah, like whether it was a workshop and I didn't have to have like an actual center or whether maybe one day I do have a center, um, I would really, I would love for there to be a peaceful place where people could receive um, connection and healing um, and that it would be accessible to pretty much everyone. You are a third person, if not within this month. Yes, within this month, September, that is telling that they want to create the center. Okay. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. I don't know what what it is, but I swear you're the third person. I just heard this woman's dream this weekend she said i want to create a center that would be 24 7 and you know people who have societal thoughts and 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 rehab and all this counseling was like oh that's amazing and then again well all right it's it's gonna happen for somebody but you're you're on the road yeah maybe you're like a connection point (laughs) oh that's so cool oh my goodness you're doing so many amazing things and i'm so happy i found you and yeah, I, 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 I would love to connect with you in a, in a future and, um, California is a nice place to visit. So wait for my call. It is. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> I would love to hang out with you out here. Awesome. Hey, Rachel, thanks so much for being here with me today. And, um, I'll talk to you soon. Hi, it's me again. I have a question for you. Would you like to be on my podcast? Do you or someone you know have a story to tell? Would you like to share your journey with me and inspire others to speak theirs? If so, feel free to contact me through my Instagram and Facebook accounts. You can find me by my name, Sammy Barks. Like the doggy. Woof! <laughs>